Welcome back to Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. I'm Drew, and I'm here today with Mike, the creator of SB Streamer. Mike, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Well, um, I guess you, uh, we've talked about sort of what I've been doing and trying to go through the ADP. And, you know, I think it's actually kind of really getting into some interesting stuff. I had Mike, um, Mike, everybody's named Mike to me now. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Matt Williams on, on the last episode and, and we talked about rounds 10 and, or 11 and 12. And it, I thought those were really getting into some, some interesting players, not necessarily players that are sort of locked in to like the top of the lineup anymore, but guys that could definitely be game changers. So I assume the next few rounds uh, that we're able to talk about will be more of the same, but I did want to ask you real quick. Um, you know, we've been, I've been through about 180 players mm-hmm. who are some players in those, you know, those top 12 rounds and 15 teamers that you are especially targeting or avoiding. And you can just give me one or two names, but um and then, you know, we kind of all have our favorites and we all have some players that we're just not quite in on. So have you thought of it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I feel like I've been talking about the same ones a lot lately <laughs> or for the past couple months. So hey, I decided that's okay. to, you, everybody's got to have their guy, right? Yeah. Well, I decided to kind of I decided to shy away from that for this and uh, uh, okay. kind of go with other guys who I do like just, you know, just as much. But I don't really talk about. Um, so the first guy I'll bring up is Sonny Gray. And uh, currently he's going 98th overall. And I just think based on ADP, he's going a little too late. Like he's going after Soroka and Barrios, for instance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would take Sonny Gray over both of those guys. And it's mainly because, you know, he's got a four-pitch uh, four mix and um, three of them were really good. And, you know, Sonny Gray is such a good pitcher because he knows how to utilize his pitches correctly. So he's really crafty. And um, his sinker, curveball, and slider all had a, you know, a, a p-valve 9.6 or higher. So um, I just think I he's got the stuff. But, yeah, but, I saw that, and I, I, you know, he doesn't have the craziest swinging strike rate. No, you know? he doesn't. He he definitely is not sort of the prototypical thrower, like you said. He's he's he must have some, he must bring some craft to to the way he pitches. Um, and and you're right, he's kind of going in this in this weird range because Barrios is going almost 20 picks earlier, and you said you would take him, and uh, Soroka's going right around where uh, Sonny Gray is. And if you go anywhere before that, you have to jump 20 spots, and Brandon Woodruff's going at 78. So I thought I'd just and, and and Trevor Bauer at 77. So I thought I'd just ask you how you compare Gray to those two, uh, Bauer and Woodruff. Yeah, so I've actually been looking at Woodruff more and more lately, and I, I'm liking him more and more. Um, I actually tweeted about him today just saying that, you know, after the first month, <clears throat> his two-seam fastball was basically unstoppable, and he's just got great stuff. Um, Bauer is, you know, Bauer's tough. It's like he he has all the talent to do it, and it's just like anybody's only done it for one year. You know, he's only had under a four or ERA once, and um, you know I'm hoping. Of course, with the new I guess people coach, could people could probably uh, you know throw that back at Sonny Gray, right? Just to say, not that he's only done it once, but that he's certainly had his ups and downs, right? I mean, yeah, well, you know, it's just really the Yankees, and I feel like you kind of 
kind of throw that away. I feel like he's meant for smaller market teams, and that's why he was so well at, with the Athletics and now with the Reds. Um, well, with twenty in twenty sixteen, I guess he was he was battling some injuries and he only got twenty two starts. But that five sixty nine ERA with the Athletics was you know kind yeah. of scary. And you then you thought, oh well, he's he's fixed it, he's back to normal. But then two thousand eighteen happened in New York, and you know we can we there's certainly like a narrative that I think you can you can get on board with, you know, basically what he said. I mean, you can just believe him or not, right? The, the Yankees messed him up and we're trying to get him to pitch, you know, in a way that he didn't want to pitch. But it, he's just, a, it's a little strange to me. And maybe like, I don't know that this is even right to do this, but when I see a guy like doesn't have the like dominance of a 15% swinging strike or anything like that. And, you know, he, he kind of has years where he's he's had trouble and then he really never struck out a ton of guys until 2019 so it's either like he's just sort of growing in this non-linear way you know and he's starting to become a really good pitcher you know or he's just gonna always be a guy that has ups and downs and i i don't feel like i'm able to tell so please yeah. please illuminate me if there's something that's sort of no you know what it direction. is i don't i don't expect the case to be there to be honest um oh, you know really? like he because his swing strike percentage is not doesn't correlate well with his k percentage and it basically is saying his k percentage should come down so i you know i don't know that the case stay there but I'm just really confident in him still providing weak contact and, you know, getting really good stats. Cause I mean, if you want to like really dive into it, his, you know, his pitches do all the right things. Like his curveball has over a 10 inch drop on it, which is amazing. And he just, you know, he's, he's almost like a, I guess <clears throat> I kind of want to say he's like a cranky almost like just really crafty, knows how to throw stuff. It's not overpowering, but he knows what he's doing. And I just feel like, you know, with what he has done the past besides those two years, I think he, you know, he's just a smart pitcher and will be successful, basically. Would Nola be a reasonable comparison just because he doesn't have the, you know, the crushing swinging strike rate either? Yeah, well, see. He does get a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, Nola's different because, I mean, that's a good point. I'd have to look at Gray. So Nola doesn't get a lot of swinging strike rates. He gets all k's based on you know hitting the edge of the plate and his you know command is just that good so he's like up there with you know getting people out on two strikes but it's not with them swinging it's them looking so there are outliers i'd have to see gray's numbers honestly i'd have to see how many like go down swinging look i mean uh just looking yeah i don't i don't really have the called strikes or the called strike out you know yeah that's what I, that's but, what i have to look at but you're that's a good point a lazy comp, there, but it makes me stay. i've always kind of you know uh, never bought into nola for the same reason and i think it may just be a blind spot for me but it's certainly like uh you know like it's hard when I sort of, t- you know, occasionally get rewarded for that, for that, you know, for it, it, there's a lot of uh, probably, you know, um, recency bias or confirmation yeah. bias there. I feel like I'm like, well, I was between, off on Nola and then he yeah. had a bad year. So, I feel like know. Nola's in between 2019 and 2018. Yeah, I, I, I could believe that. Um, yeah. It's just we'll like, 
it, it helps when you know I'm off of him when everybody's taking him as the like yeah. fifth pitcher overall, and then yeah. he has a four ERA. So yeah, but yeah, that's that's an interesting call. I, I definitely need to look into Sonny Gray more. So I appreciate you bringing him up. Um, yeah, definitely. Any other any other big target? Uh, so uh, just I wanted to go with that because I don't want to seem so biased towards pitchers. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I I just brought up Carlos Santana, and um, I mainly just picked him because. I feel like he's almost like an Edwin Encarnacion and like obviously not as good as Nelson Cruz, but he's like one of those old guys that are going to give you power and some RBIs and they're just, I feel like they're overlooked every year and they, I I didn't look at the numbers I should have, but I bet you they've profit, you know, owners have profited off them for several years now. And I just think, you know, Santana gets overlooked and I mean, especially OBP and points leagues because he's, his walk percentage is through the roof. Um, he's definitely more valuable in those leagues, but I just think he's someone who's over overlooked a lot. And, you know, I could see myself drafting, especially because I'm sure they fall in drafts all the time. Yeah, I think that's a great call. Um, actually talked about him whenever his ADP came up and said basically the same thing. I think, you know, maybe he's just like a little bit, a little bit boring, especially, you know, yeah. other than 2019 because he hit, for a good average in 2019 but you know if you have a guy who hits like 255 260 and so he's just kind of a neutral there and then he has like 30 home runs which is great but it's not he's never gonna have 40 right Right. and he's just kind of like this compiler but with his uh great on base percentage even in an average league he that helps him like rack up the runs and um you know, he's, he's in a decent lineup for getting RBIs because a lot of those guys get on base. And so you're, you're right. He's just kind of a quiet producer. And yeah. um, you could do a lot worse, especially where he's going. I mean, he was the going, dollar values uh, will put him yeah. around guys that are going earlier, for sure, yeah. like Mancini or Hoskins, who I'm, I'm not a big fan of, or, you know, or maybe even in front of those guys. And um, he's going to be a little bit better sort of to not hurt you in places than someone like Encarnacion, although he's great at his value too. But yeah, that's a good call out. Um, what about any avoids from the first 12 rounds? Um, yeah. So of... yeah, I picked out two. Um, I'll be kind of quick. So uh, the first one was Chris Paddock and I love Paddock. I think he's amazing, but this is strictly like ADP wise. That's why I don't like him. I think he's just going too early. I mean, he's got a good fastball changeup combination, but you, I mean, he definitely can develop a third pitch, but you don't, we don't know if that's going to happen this year. And to take someone like that in before Morton, Darvish, and Severino kind of <laughs> blows my mind, honestly, especially someone like Severino, who was, I know he's coming off an injury, but he still got on the mound last year and since he's been, you know, two years before that, he was, you know, a top five, top 10 pitcher. And Morton was a top five, 10 pitcher last year. And it's just like blows my mind that people are going at Paddock this high, um, you know, chasing that that ceiling that we don't know if we're even going to really see. I feel like you're drafting him at his ceiling, essentially, at this point. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, he pitched 140 innings and that was the most ever for him. I mean, he could build on that for sure. He could have another great year with, uh, you know, solid ERA and a, and a really, really good whip. 
uh, he's he's got a lot of skill, and he you know, he's even up to strikeouts. But I just I just don't know that paying for a ceiling for a guy who never did it before at this point in the draft makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like like you said, he's going fourth round, and so you know, for one thing, I feel like if you're if you're paying for anybody uh, in the in the early rounds, even in round like four or five. Um, and they're not a true ace, you know, even like a, a Granky who's, well, that's a bad example. Let me, let me go back. What I'm saying is I feel like I would rather pay up in rounds one and two and get a, get a Verlander or somebody, you know, that has absolutely done it year after year, than mm-hmm. wait two rounds and, you know, reach for a guy who you're just hoping becomes that guy, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a it's, it's still a huge price to pay. And you're, and you're really betting on something that hasn't happened yet. When, you know, if you get a DeGrom or a, or a Verlander, you are betting on something that's, you know, you almost expect. So it's, it's just, I feel like the value there, even though you're having to pay a lot more for those guys is, is, is actually a better value because you, you have a, a lot, better chance of seeing that outcome you know yeah and right you know maybe there's not that much upside to profit from somebody you're taking in the first round but there's certainly a lot of you know bottom that could drop out from somebody who's young that you're taking in the fourth round um you know hoping that they become the next verlander or the so i'm with yeah. you on that i mean and that kind of like it kind of rolls over to my, you know, the second guy I picked, which is Keston Hira. I feel like he's just another, you know, young guy that there's so much hype around him. And, you know, I mean, he's got that high BABIP with a terrible expecting batting average and a high K percentage. But yet, you know, he's going in front of people like Cattell Marte or even Blackman. And, you know, those guys have done it and we're just assuming the small sample size of here is what we're going to see essentially. And, you know, he's being taken 42nd overall, which is, it's pretty up there. Completely agree again. Uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's got a like pretty nice barrel rate and it's just like all the. Yeah. He's definitely got some power. Yeah. For him to hit for power. It's funny, I, I kind of, in my mind, this is maybe sound like a very strange comp, but um, he makes me think a little bit of uh, Jan Mancata because they both got like that barrel rate, you know, I, I especially look at like barrels to plate appearance, um, yeah. about 8%. So they're both like top, you know, 50 or 60 there. But, you know, with Hira, um, he, he's basically sort of like... I don't know, Moncada before he figured it out to me, because not to say that he, that he won't, but, you know, his expected batting average here was 266, you know, and so of course he hit 300. So everybody remembers that. Moncada mm-hmm. uh, on the other hand, I mean, he hit a crazy, they both had bat ups over 400, which is maybe one reason I, I, I go to, to him, but Moncada's expected average was 291. So like if I had to bet on one of those guys to, sort of reproduce something close to what they did last year, it would be Moncada just because I feel like, you know, the, they, they both overperformed, right. And they both um, to some extent got a little bit lucky, but Hira has further to fall if he's going to sort of uh, produce it 
what he earns um, if he earns the same thing he did last year. And of course, he could take the next step. He's a young kid. He's going to be a real good hitter, and you know maybe he already is. But you're right. Like why why would you take him in the third round or whatever? You know when Cattell Marte is sitting there or Ozzie Albies or somebody. Yes. Yeah. You know, and you know maybe not the best examples because they're young and and not a ton of track record either. But I feel like with Hira, uh, there are at least signs to say he's not a fully developed hitter yet. So, so I agree. Um, well, thanks. That's, that's cool. I always like to hear just, you know, sort of how people think about that and just the reasons, you know, like a lot, a lot of people I've noticed and, and you, you might agree uh, with, with pitchers. Um, it's not just like the draft price, like paddock, but it's like pitchers that, uh, are going in rounds five, six, seven, and yet may not um, reach um, that many innings this year. I, yeah. Some examples are like Tyler Glass now, and especially the younger guys like Jesus Luxardo, and who's you know going in like the eighth or ninth round, which just seems like it's really creeped up for a guy who you know we we just don't know what we're gonna get. Right. So that's one theme I've seen, but. Well, let's uh, let's press on. Let's uh, let's tackle the next round. Um, Matt and I left off at the at pick 180, and uh, uh, let's see, Chris Davis, crushed, or uh, K. Chris Davis was going pick 181, so he wanted to throw him in and talk about him, which I was happy to do because he's he's definitely an interesting guy to talk about and and one that I think should probably be going a little higher uh, for for the likelihood of a bounce back. But, uh, so, um, Mark, he, he's kind of flipped flopped and Marquez has fallen to 181. So I'll, I'll start there and, and, uh, I'm just gonna read off the, this would be the 13th round and, uh, just be thinking about anybody who you want to discuss as a target or an avoid. Yep. So Marquez is at 181. Luke Weaver is 182. Lorenzo Cain is 183. Kenta Maeda is 184. Sean Doolittle is 185. Hunter Dozier is 186. Brian Reynolds is 187. Wilson Ramos is 188. Carlos Martinez is 189. Joe Jimenez is 190. Ryan McMahon is 191. David Price is 192. Kevin Newman is 193. Paul DeJong is 194. And Lance McCullers is 195. Interesting. We have a couple of uh, recently traded players in that in that round. Yeah. Anyone jump out at you as a as an immediate uh, target? Yeah. Uh, so I really liked Maeda this year. Um, I I like that he went to the Twins because you know they don't have as many arms as the Dodgers have, so I feel like they're not gonna limit his innings the way the Dodgers did. Plus, you know they have a lot of caps, so I don't think they really care about spending them extra money based on his incentives. So I like that he's probably going to finally get a lot of innings, hopefully like 180 innings as a starter. And, you know, I, I he's got good stuff. He's got a really good slider and changeup. They both, you know, they both were around like a 20 swing strike percentage. Um, they both cause a lot of swing and misses outside the zone. And I really think he's going to be a good value this year. And I, I'm expecting for it to probably go up in ADP as time goes on, too. 
Yeah, I think you're definitely right there. And um, and I agree with you. I think Maeda's Maeda was already a target for me because yeah, I'll take I'll take his he got 26 starts last year and he even had some clunkers honestly, but his his whip came out at 1.07. So like he's just elite right there. Mm-hmm. His his strikeouts are always around 10 honestly in 2018 they were 11 per 9. So it's just you know elite pretty much there uh his era has never been you know super low but it's obviously it's not hurting you so i will take 20 to 26 starts from someone like that and i'll fill in the rest you know so the fact that he's going to the twins now and you know we could we could easily see like you said that creeping up to 180 innings and you know 30 plus starts is just gravy uh, at yeah. this price for sure. But like you said, I'm sure he's going to creep up. I, personally, I would take him in the ninth round for sure. I don't know if I'd, I don't know how much earlier than that I would go, but like I've been getting um, Julio Urias. I feel like he's a pretty good deal in the 10th round. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually, I think he was going in the 11th, um, but I'd take him in the 10th. And um, I feel like, you know, he, he might have slightly, a, a slightly better ERA than Maeda, but I'm not 100% on that, and you know certainly wouldn't pencil him in for being better for sure anywhere else. So I, I can. It's interesting to comp those two guys, but now I have to say that I feel like Maeda is going to get more more innings, and so uh, they've gone from slight nod to Urias to probably a slight nod to Maeda. So any idea on how high you would take him if he starts climbing? Um. It's a little tough because I can't just say, like, would you take him ahead of these guys that are going around ahead of him? Because we think he's probably going to jump a lot further than that. Like, I'd certainly take him over Mike Miner, Sean Manaya, Matt Boyd. Like I said, I think I'd take I him over Elias. I feel like Elias. maybe – where is he going right now? In one eight, mid-180s. Um, yeah, I mean – is going 152. I feel like – I would not. Yeah, I wouldn't take him that early. Um, see, I was going to actually just say around like the 170 range. Okay. So, you wouldn't, so around you wouldn't be like on the void if, area. If he gets pushed up two rounds, you'll probably back off. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I think uh, anybody who has gotten him at this price is, is probably pretty happy about it. But uh, but I get I get what you're saying. Uh, what else? Who, who else are you looking at here to target? Um, yeah, so another person, I just kind of wanted to point out Kevin Newman. And it's really just because, I mean, I know he's not, you're not going to get too much from him, but um, he's got the lead batting average. And I feel like if you're looking for some late steals, um, I don't think he's honestly that bad an option when it comes to steals. So I just think, unfortunately, it's, you know, a terrible lineup. and and he's not really i think he's more towards the bottom of the lineup too i think um but you know if i just i just like him where you know if you're in roto whatever and if you are lacking in average and steals i think he's a pretty viable option at that point in the draft interesting call i i don't completely disagree but um i haven't really so and it's funny lorenzo kane is going right here too and i think yeah, those guys could actually both end up having a 
reasonably similar stat line, but Newman's eligible at second base, which is pretty great. Um, I just think, you know, I, the only reason I feel like he's going up here is either people are expecting more steals than I think, you know, are likely, like I don't know, 20 plus, you know, which mm-hmm. I guess could happen, but I'm just not ready to pencil that in for for a guy like Newman yet. Yeah. Um, and then, the, you know, the other thing is you're just you're sacrificing a lot in power. And so I would probably go with like a Cesar Hernandez much, much later um to try to get the same thing but maybe you're not going to get as many stolen bases so it, it would come down to team construction and i'm just hoping i don't have to take a newman to be honest <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if yeah. i mean if i'm drafting either of those guys lorenzo kane or newman here i feel like i've messed something up because like i'm really selling out <laughs> for stolen bases at that point. yeah that's yeah. true yeah it's a good point <laughs> <laughs> um well i'll say one guy that i that i feel like uh, you know, I can pretty much call a target is Hunter Dozier. Um, I really don't understand why people are not on him a little bit more. Um, I, I think I guess, it's because he fell off a little. Yeah, I think that's right. I think people just think um, he just completely regressed. And, you know, he was he was injured. He was out for most of the month of June. But then when he came back, I mean, he had sort of a pedestrian July uh, with only three home runs and he hit 253 but then in August he hit eight home runs <laughs> and he hit 270 and then he hit 284 in September so like there's definitely some growth in this season it was a, a bit wonky you know he only ended up with 26 home runs but you know he had he had two months he, his his April and his August he combined for a total of 15 home runs in two months and um, he definitely showed some improvement in batting average. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, he may have sort of gotten a little lucky, and he may have. I, I just don't think he really overperformed. I think he probably underperformed because of the injury, and so I think he's a reasonable target there. And it, you know, if you can get the what I don't understand about Dozier is the projections because they've got him for like 21 home runs. Um, and so he was, he missed a little bit of time last year and he hit 26. So I don't quite understand the regression there. His, his, uh, underlying skills seem to support the fact that he's got some power, but, um, that's okay. I'm happy to get a few shares of Hunter Dozier, uh, since people, uh, aren't super interested. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of people aren't even really targeting this year, but I mean, I get everything you're saying. It, I mean, it makes sense. Um, but I, yeah, again, I think it's just everyone was afraid because that will drop off. I'll say I actually expected his barrel rate to be higher. He was, he was yeah, pretty it's good. Not. He was like, he was like 120th. But you know, it's, it's a 6.5 barrels per plate appearance is is great. It's in the red on Statcast. But yeah. um, I was expecting it to be, you know, up there with like you know top 75 at least. But um, yeah, you know, a lot of that may have been due to the injury, and it, it really does seem like his his June and, you know, potentially his July were, were hampered by injury, but yeah, you know, you never know. (laughs) Yep. Um, I'll have to say at least a little something about Brian Reynolds here. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that I've definitely drafted a couple of times and, uh, is, is interesting for the, for the, uh, batting average. He's not only hit over 300, but he, 
pretty much backed it up. His, uh, let's see. It's, His XBA is 296. Okay. So that's 94th pretty, percentile. Pretty hard to beat. And um, the only, yeah, the only sort of question mark is, again, that terrible lineup, but then also yeah. uh, just how much power he's going to have. And especially if he bets leadoff, you got to think that the RBIs are not going to help you. And, um, and certainly the home runs are probably going to be below what you need from your average player. So, you know, he's, he's not like a, uh, you know, one trick batting average wonder, like, uh, who's that guy? Luis Arias, Arias for the Twins. <laughs> Arias, yeah. Arias. But he is going to be, you know, a little bit of a drain there. So it's, you, you really got to balance that. And maybe like, I feel like Brian Reynolds is a good guy to take. If you've taken like a Miguel Sano or if you've taken like, a, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, friend Mel Reyes in an earlier round, you really need to have a surplus of power and you're backfilling the batting average. That's, that's I, really the reason to take him. I'm looking at, um, I'm actually just taking a little glance at their lineup and, I mean, there's a lot of question marks here, but I feel like if they click, they actually won't be that bad. Because you got Reynolds, then you got Polanco. So imagine if he comes back and clicks. Then you got Josh Bell. And then you got Colin Moran, who actually has some power to him. And then you got Newman. Yeah, maybe Newman Newman could lead off. And then um, Reynolds wouldn't have to. He could hit second or something. Well, roster resource right now has Reynolds in second and Adam Frazier hitting first. I don't know about Frazier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I what they Newman have. might be a better bet. But, but yeah, we'll I mean, see. you're right. Like, all those guys can actually get on base fairly well. Um, so maybe that's uh, – except I don't know about Polanco. <laughs> we'll see if he yeah, clicks if like he, you said. If he but, can uh, stay on the – it's not like it's not like the you know the marlins or or something where you just really cannot see it it's you can squint and see the the pirates having a decent lineup i guess so maybe some hope there i just you know you just got to sort of build in a certain way to to be getting uh reynolds here any uh pitchers strike your fancy one way or the other or i guess just uh, any avoids in general um avoids you know, I, I kept thinking about who I like, not avoiding. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I mean, no my... no one here really, like, jumps out at me too much. Um, I I kind of think where David Price went is better for him as well. And, I mean, I feel like the most interesting player here, honestly, is Carlos Martinez. Because, I mean, he said he's prepping to be a starter, but then you got the Cardinals saying that he won't be a starter and you don't really know what's going on with him. And I think he's kind of interesting because I feel like even if you take him here, regardless, I feel like you're either ending up with potentially a really good starter who has a great history. And then if not, you're going to end up with someone who's probably going to get a good handful of saves too. So it's kind of weird that like, I feel like no matter where he goes at this spot, he still has value. You know, that's, that's interesting. Right. I, for some reason, I never liked him as a starter. And so, like, I, I'm sort of on the flip side of that coin, seeing that somehow, like, it goes up in smoke and he doesn't end up being either. <laughs> you know, like, they, they like, right. honor his wishes not to be the closer, but then he ends up being a terrible starter or something. So, you know, it, it's funny, though. You actually reminded me of somebody I, I talked about on a previous uh, episode. Um, 
and you're going to find this a very weird comparison, but uh, Kevin Gossman, uh, he's supposed to, I think, supposed to be a starter and yeah. for the Giants now, which is yep. a pretty good move for any pitcher, right, to to that part. Um, right. Even even despite what they may be doing to bring in the fences, and um, if it doesn't work out, you could they, they've got a pretty big hole at closer, so it's not hard to imagine a world where he's better as a two pitch pitcher in a bullpen and he finds his way into that closer role. Obviously yeah. that's more of a stretch because there's no, there's no precedent for it. Like there is with C-Mart, but um, that's just what came to mind when you were saying that. So interesting mm-hmm. to think about. I, I think I'd rather get something here where I know what I'm getting. Oh yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, I mean, if I, and two, I mean, when they come out, the, you'll know before probably by your drafts anyway. And you know, if they come out as him as a starter, you know he's going to shoot right up. So I'll say that I'm probably if I if I had to pick an avoid in this round, other than like I said, I I really would hope not to have to get the the more uh, the, the the really. Uh, low power guys like Kane mm-hmm. and Newman, but like just as just a totally guy I'm out on. I really don't see myself drafting McCullers because yes, it's the I think he's going to keep I, falling. It's the thing that I was talking about yeah. earlier, and also you know, <laughs> quick aside on that, it's not just speculation. They came out and said he's only yeah. going to get yep. 120 or 130. Exactly. But then there's also it's just any guy coming back is a, is an automatic risk, and I don't you can quantify that however you want or not at all, but it just is. You know, we just don't know exactly what we're gonna get. And if it's a guy like Severino, you give him a little bit more benefit of the doubt, but you've also got to pay fourth round price. Right. So I'm gonna yeah. try to look look elsewhere. You know, um, if Charlie Morton's there, you know, or something. But but with with you know with McCullers, it's a double whammy because. Um, because you really know that the volume's not going to be there. And then thirdly, with McCullers, he's never had a very good whip, and that's one thing that I'm always looking for. Um, you know, re- really with any pitcher I'm taking before the 20th round, I want a guy who at least has the upside there. You know, like mm-hmm. obviously you're not getting a good guy in the 13th round that's going to anchor your your whip unless you draft Kenta Maeda. <laughs> but. <laughs> but you know, I want that upside of like a Griffin Canning or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. I, to I, I would not about, take him here either. And I really think he's just going to keep falling. I have to ask you about Luke Weaver. Cause he's kind of another guy that sort of eludes me. I don't, I don't really, I haven't completely bought in, um, but no? I, I'm not out either. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, his main worry is not having a third pitch. Um, he's like, you know, other a lot of other pitchers, he relies on a fastball changeup combo that he has. Um, you know, his, his changeup's really good, and it's got a nice 10 mile an hour difference between the both pitches. Um, but it's basically, you know, with him, it's can he develop a third pitch really? So he's got talent, but you know, it's kind of he's going to need some development. Yeah, I guess it just, I guess it's you know, I, f- I feel like he's a guy that. Um, there are some people that I could be talking to right now that would would call him out as a target. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like a lot of people like him. A lot of people like him. And it sounds like you're more like me, or just you'd like I don't, to see a little bit I more don't not, first. Yeah, I don't not like him, but I'm definitely not targeting him, if that makes sense. If he, gotcha. like, fell to me in a draft, 
pretty far, then obviously I'm going to grab him. But um, I'm definitely not like targeting him. Well, uh, if there's nobody else here for you, either target or avoid, I wanted to end this round by talking about Sean Doolittle. Um, but I will, I will ask you one last time if there's anybody else that you were itching to talk about. No, that's okay. So the reason I wanted to save Sean Doolittle for last is I want to just sort of say something about closers in general. Um, like, a lot of people are drafting Pagan. In fact, we, I covered him in ADP on a previous episode, so he was going, like, I think around 150. Um, and, there, you know, people just kind of assume, well, he, he got most of the saves last year, so he's probably the guy. But I was just completely out on him because the Rays were showing a pretty decent commitment to, to, to running a committee. And, um, you know, there are others, other bullpens where that's the case. And um, there are other closers that have had sort of injuries and, and things like Doolittle. And when, wherever there's risk with a closer role, I just I feel like, especially when you're drafting, you know, in January, February, but even in March, like, why not try to target the guys that don't have those risks? So Doolittle had some pretty, you know, en- enough trouble with injuries last year that Daniel Hudson came in and took the job and Daniel Hudson's not even a lights out, uh, you know, prototypical closer. Um, and you know, so it reminds me of the peg on situation. And of course now we know he, you know, he got traded. So, so people aren't doing yeah. that anymore. And I, I would say, don't, don't get locked into to Nick Anderson in there either. Cause they're, they're going to run a committee. Yeah, maybe, definitely. He even said it. And so, so I kind of see Sean Doolittle in that same vein. And the reason I wanted to talk about him last is because our first guy in the next round is Giovanni Gallegos, who it's the same situation. Uh, like yeah. you said, they, they might make Carlos Martinez do it against his will. You know, they yeah. might uh, they might do some kind of crazy committee, you know, uh, until Jordan Hicks get, gets back and then he may be back in the role. Uh, there's even a lot of uh, uh, guys who may fail as starters and, and, you know, succeed in the bullpen like Alex Reyes. So just. I, I guess I'm just trying to say my, my advice would be to stay away from these murky uh, closer situations. So Yeah, so, I mean, just a quick point on closers. Um, I don't know if you – do you read Ariel Cohen at all on Fangraphs? I have, yeah. Um, okay. I've seen a lot of his stuff, so, and I follow so him on he Twitter. Did, yeah, he did an interesting article on closers and where you would find the most, I guess, return value on them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many years he went back on it, but so he looked at a couple of years and he found out that the second tier of closers compared to any other tier gives you the most return in, you know, from draft day. So, yeah. So the top, you know, top tier you don't want basically. And then anything under is even more risky, but like that second tier of closers, I don't know the, the right number right now off the top of my head, but um, yeah, they always return the most draft value. Probably like the, you know, it's kind of like Taylor, the, the Taylor Brandon Rogers, Workman's type, yeah. Workman, Hansel yeah. Robles, yeah, exactly. Love Taylor Rogers. Yeah. All right. I like a lot of those guys <laughs> because I feel like you know, there's really not anybody that's gonna be taking the job from from the from the guys that I named, and you know, that's the number one thing I look for in a closer, honestly, is like, yeah, skills are great, you know, but they're secondary to, 
having it locked down. And then, you know, if you can't get those, at least get somebody who has a clear uh, handcuff. <laughs> but that's like third choice for me. So, um, so that's pretty much Gallegos. But let me let me rattle off the rest of the. I guess we're on the 14th round now. So, um, and then we'll talk about them. 196 is Gallegos. 197, Keone Kella, another closer. Mm, another one. <laughs> Potential closer. 198, Adam Eaton. 199, D.D. Gregorius. 200, Luke Voigt. 201, Christian Walker. 202, Andrew Heaney. 203, Brandon Lau. 204, Mike fulton Evitz, 205, Joe Musgrove. 206, Nick Sinzel. 207, Andrew McCutcheon. 208, Mark Melanson. 209, Omar Narvaez. And 210, Christian Vasquez. So... We kind of already touched on Gallegos, but uh, what else you got here as far as targets or uh, voids? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll start off with uh, Luke Voigt. Okay. And he, he obviously, I mean, he comes with a caveat. I, I like Voigt. You know, I think he's really has that power. Um, he was top 9% in barrel percentage. And he's obviously in one of the best lineups of, of the league. Unfortunately, it looks like he's going to be hitting ninth. But, I mean... Is it weird to say that that would even worry me because of how good the lineup is top to bottom? You know what I mean? <laughs> like even their seven, six, seven, eight hitters are amazing. So it's just like, it doesn't even matter if he's hitting nine. I mean, you you won't get as many at bats, but then I also think too, I mean, you're, there's going to be injuries. I think that's a good call with Voight. Um, and also I would say that like, I don't think this, you know, like I don't think this lineup is going to be the same every day. Like, I don't think, yeah. well, first of all, right. Gary Sanchez isn't even going to be there every day, probably. I mean, mm-hmm. or Giancarlo, who, you know, whoever's DHing, or, you know, there's, yeah. there's going to be some movement around there, of course. But then there's also going to be like, is Brett Gardner, you know, he's, he's probably platooning. So then maybe Voight uh, moves up and bats fifth some days. And, yeah. You know, they probably well, yeah, get... throw Andujar in there. And yeah, they're definitely going to yeah. play with it a lot. Yeah. And then like, Torres or Judge gets a day off or Stanton gets a day off and then all of a sudden it's like Urshela's batting third and Voigt's batting cleanup you know it's just there's there's going to be a lot of I'm not saying I'm not saying it's going to be you know like 25 percent or 50 percent of the time but you 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 know you work into those situations enough and then you have just the random stuff that happens like injuries and I don't think he's going to hit ninth you know, more than half the time, if that. Right. So, right. Um, so anyway, yeah, good call. Uh, I, I, I agree. I, I feel like the Voight uh, doubt has gone a little too far. The only, the only thing I really kind of doubt with him is the, is where the batting average is going to end up. Oh uh, yeah. Kind of a yeah. 250 expected, yeah, but the power is, the power is real, you know? Like, yeah. hundred percent. So, you know, if he gets, if he hits 250 with, 30 something home runs, you know, you're probably going to be okay with that. Um, I, let's see. I don't really have any, I, I guess, you know, Kela would be another, what I was talking about with the avoids. The only thing yeah, with Pittsburgh I mean, is go on. you could probably grab him and then get like any other potential guy after pick 500. <laughs> but, but I feel like you still have a chance of missing it. You know, like there yeah. could be just some random, you know, they could make, they could uh, say Chad Cool's healthy again. They're like, you're not going to be a starter anymore. You're our closer. <laughs> you, know, you just never know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like that. <laughs> but um, as far as other 
I'll do my avoids first. Let me see. So. I mean, I, you want to? I have one avoid here. If you've got one, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, go ahead. But I'm, there's li- the. It's weird. You know, sometimes I feel like you know, sometimes you gotta just kind of go with your gut, and I don't really have much analytics to back it up, but I just really don't like DD, and. <laughs> I, it's just something about him, and I hate how hot and cold he gets, and I know some people do like him, you know, with the new team, and they think he's going to definitely be healthy this year, but I, there's just, I just don't like his game, I guess, and I just will not be taking him at all this year. <laughs> what, if you had to guess, uh, what is the most barrels that he's had in any season, where, where would, what would you guess? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, so 21 is the most he's ever uh, had. 21 barrels. Oh, jeez. And I, and I feel like, by the way, I, obviously I agree with you here. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I feel like you know he's hit. People see him as like a 25 to 30 home run hitter, and it's just like because because he's done it a couple of times, but like. I don't know what to make what make of that. You know, like he hit 25 home runs in 2017. He hit 27 home runs in, in 2018. So it's like, that's, I, I can't really fault people for thinking that, but it's like totally not backed up by his underlying stats. Like he's yeah. got a very, very low barrel rate is, it, you know, it's not like he makes, makes up for it with like a lot of hard contact. There's just nothing. It's, it's very weird. I will, you, you know what like, I think and, it is? I think it's just that people still have in their minds. He had that one insane April. And then I also think, too, that, like, he did have a lot of big, like, New York Yankee moments in the playoffs and stuff. So yeah. I feel like maybe that almost makes people feel like he's better than he is because, like, some that's kind of something you remember, you know, a little more than – so I, I don't know. That's just someone I don't get and never will. Well, I mean, it's just it's got to be. But you know, and and also, I mean, I I would throw out, you know, I'm not going to make your answer again. But like, what, what do you, what would you, I would ask what you think his highest expected batting average would be, and it's 263. Yeah, and I think most people would say, you know, 280, 275, something like that, because you know he hit. He hit uh, 287 the year that he had 25 home runs, mm-hmm. and he hit 268 the next year when he had 27 home runs. So, you know, the 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 underlying stats don't really back up the production. So, you know, I, I don't know how lucky how many home runs you can get more than your barrels uh, just out of luck. And you know, like he could maybe he has uh, maybe it's a launch angle thing. You know, like uh, you know Bregman definitely out outproduced his what you know what you would expect for home runs from him just looking at his stat cast so it's it's not uh it's not certainly not impossible that the stat cast numbers are just missing something with the but but i'm with you i just feel like i don't feel comfortable <laughs> with drafting Didi. and uh, yeah not at all and also you know you're taking you're taking a probably middling batting average even if it doesn't hurt you it's not going to be a great batting average and uh you know, not expecting a ton of speed if, you know, maybe five stolen bases mm-hmm. um, and not like somebody who's going to really crush it in home runs. So you're just kind of getting this sort of boring profile. And then like it, you, it's it's the added risk of like, I can't explain why this guy even achieves that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I, I definitely understand. And that, that would be my explanation of it. But uh, 
I, uh, I was not really able to, to think of an avoid here while okay. we're talking. I, I'm looking down the list. <laughs> That's and I'm all like, right. It's funny. I'm not really getting that many of yeah, these guys. Yeah, no, I don't really hate anyone here. Um, I do like Musgrove a lot. Um, you know, he's just – it kind of depends on him throwing a slider more. And uh, hopefully that new – you know, that whole staff coming in doesn't make them throw a million fastballs anymore. I'll say that I have not drafted Brandon Lau. Um, I don't mm. think this is like a crazy price to pay for him, but I think his batting average could be significantly worse than Didi's. Um, and you got to worry about the platoon a little bit too. Yeah, you got to worry about the Rays. I, I do think he has more power than Didi, but like otherwise, yeah. I think the profile compares unfavorably to a guy that we were just bashing. So, so I don't <laughs> think I don't see myself drafting Brandon Lau. Yeah, I'm not fully in on him either. I was getting pretty excited about Christian Walker until somebody sort of threw cold water on the the idea that he could um, just that he might not be a huge part of their future, and so that they might spell him a lot and even try to work uh, Kevin Cron in there, and that he might not hit cleanup. He might hit like fifth or sixth. So I'm like, really. Oh, I just don't know. I mean, well, with Starling Marte now, you know, that's gonna that's gonna push everybody down a little bit because Marte will probably lead off, right? Uh, yeah, they have Starling leading off, then Cattell, Escobar, Peralta, Walker, Calhoun, Ahmed, and Kelly. Yeah, so he's not gonna fall further than five, I guess. And of course, you know, I mean, what are we gonna get from David Peralta if he's if he's a 290 hitter again, then this is probably right, and he's he's probably pushing Christian Walker down a little bit. But then again, if he does that, then Christian Walker is hitting a pretty darn good lineup. So yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's kind of um, maybe I should maybe I shouldn't. Uh, I like him. Shy away I, too much. Yeah, I kind of like him this year. His his power is is real, and yeah. you know a lot. I guess a lot more than I think some people give give him credit for. He was actually top 50 in barrel rate. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, it's hard hit rate. It was up there all year. I remember, yeah. I remember at the beginning of the season, especially, I think he, he, he did come back to earth, but like he was, in, he was almost leading the league in average exit velocity. He probably could have won bar bets, you know, <laughs> trying to get mm-hmm. people to guess who was leading the league in that. But, um, yeah. but, but, you know, I, I do like him, and I think you know at this price, it's pretty pretty cheap to find out if uh, if he can corral enough plate appearances to get you. You know, he could be like a 30, 30 home run, five stolen base. I, I could see him being a thirty five home run guy if he got a full contingent. But um, the batting average isn't going to be great. You know, like I'm not expecting more than you know, somewhere between 250 and 260. And I think some people would say less than that. So I, you know, I'm I'm open to it. I just think uh, there might be a little bit more than some people are looking at with Christian Walker. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Again, I, I, I kind of like him. Uh, And you said, I mean, the power seems real and he could be in a really good lineup. So um, I, I don't mind him at this price at all. I need to go back to the uh, to the cold water throwing and rethink it a little bit. So. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> You're, I have to ask you uh, just about a couple of pitchers. So like Heaney, Fultonavich, uh, are you 
on or off either of those or you just kind of like i'm not really sure and i'm you know not really targeting or avoiding so heaney is like the bane of my existence basically because um it's just so weird he has his numbers are so good but i guess it's really just that health that just kills him um and like you know I, every year I go into the year liking him and then he just doesn't produce and he's almost like it's almost as if he might be one of those pitchers who does have the skills but just never has that great season. Mm. So he kind of frustrates me a little bit um, in that sense. And Fulty, um, he he did start pitching better. He interested he I'm more interested in him than he need just because um Towards the end of the year, he started pitching a little better. And, I mean, you know, he's he's got a really good slider. And he did have a really good season uh, recently. So, um, is Fulty another guy who's, like, more of a pitcher than a thrower? Because, he, he, you know, I've always wondered about his sort of lack of swinging strike rate. Too. Yeah, he, I mean, his he's not going to get you a lot of Ks. But, okay. um, you know... I, I think that that season in 2018 was pretty maybe... le- it was pretty legit. Um, yeah. I could like I wouldn't be shocked if he put up like a three five ERA. Like I'll it's put it that probably, way. It's probably confusing to people because they've seen him get the K's like in spurts, and they they you know they if you just like read the surface stats with him, he's probably super confusing, right? Because <laughs> it's like sometimes this guy is mowing everybody down and throwing a hundred and just looking awesome, and then. Sometimes it kind of yeah, falters it a bit. Part on him a little bit. <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he had some success. And then plus, I mean, he's got that amazing offense behind him, so um, he definitely could get a ton of wins. So these uh, that I'm about to mention are not really uh, targets or avoids, but I, I'm really not sure what to do with Sinzel and McCutcheon here. Um, kind of two different issues you know with with, well, with both of them they're coming off injuries McCutcheon's more serious um yeah maybe maybe um but Senzel's got a really crowded outfield to contend with and so I just I think I'm gonna be uh pay probably paying more for him to draft him next year and just just not really on him this year um, yeah I feel like I don't know I almost feel like they you know were you know did those signings for a reason. And like, I, I almost kind of feel like they don't trust him. Whenever which makes I can me see, not trust them. Yeah. You know? when, when, and also whenever I can see like three different ways for something to go wrong, <laughs> like that's probably right. a pretty good avoid, you know, cause it's like, um, he, he could just get a full contingent of play plate appearances and just kind of do what he did last year, you know, and it's just regular growing pains. And it's like, he was okay, but he wasn't what you're hoping for. And a play. Yeah player that's taken up a roster spot in your outfield or he could get you know 350 plate appearances like jesse winger did last year and that's not great (laughs) or or he could be more hurt than we know or you know like and and the list goes on and you're just like well well crap why why am i you know why am i taking up a roster spot when i could get something that maybe doesn't have the upside of sinzel later Mm -hmm. but certainly like i would take 
I, I'm probably the reason I'm not getting Senzel here is because I'm taking like Anthony Santander like 100 picks later, you know. And at least yeah. I feel like there's a guy that's going to be in a lineup in a right. I've got him batting yeah. cleanup right now, and exactly. it's not going to be that bad of a lineup. And and he can he's a guy if you squint he could hit 30. So yeah, um, totally different type of player. I don't know why I came up with him, but but yeah, it's just like if I'm I want my outfield. Uh, spots taken up with somebody who are who are really going to rack up some stats for me. So yeah, and I just don't know what to expect from him. And kind of the same, I guess, with McCutcheon. I just it's not a hard avoid. It's just a, you know, he had a pretty bad injury. He's mm-hmm. already getting older. He's already not hitting for average anymore. Like this just seems like a lot of ways this could go wrong, right? Yeah, <laughs> comes... I'm, I'm I'm not a fan of him at all this year. So those are just like soft avoids. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't point and laugh at anybody for taking those guys because they've got the upside. But like, that's not really the type of upside I want to chase here. So no, not at all. One last very strange target, and you may laugh, and I think most people would, but I am totally in on Christian Vasquez here. Like I think people <laughs> are just way too, like, you know, like it's it's this thing I talk about. It's like. Whenever there's a player who we all know is going to regress, like Ketel Marte, he's not going to hit 329 again. Okay, whatever. But like, that doesn't mean he's going to hit 275 either. Like, it's right. gonna, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And with Vasquez, everybody's just like, oh, he's going to hit like five home runs this year. You know, <laughs> it's just like, because, okay, I'm not expecting him to hit 25 home runs or whatever, you know, again, 23 or whatever he hit. But like mm-hmm. he doesn't have to do that to be a very good value at this price. He's a, he's a, he's the rare catcher who can actually hit for a good batting average, uh, or yeah. at least a decent batting average. He's gonna have not zero power. You know, if he gets 15 home runs, you're probably profiting here, and he gets more plate appearances than other catchers. Because newsflash, Boston lineup is not looking great, <laughs> and you know it's American League, so he might even. I mean, it's um, still not bad, even though, too, I was going to say. I mean, they still got Bogarts, Devards, and J.D. Martinez. I mean, it's not like it's, oh, it's terrible, for, you know. For a guy like Vasquez, it's perfect because it's not so good that he can't work in when, he, uh, when he's not catching. You know, like he, yeah. if, if somebody's getting an off day, he might get the DH or he might get to, you know, whatever. Right. But, 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 I mean, he got, like, more plate appearances than people probably think last year. And I could totally see that happening again. So... As weird as it sounds to say, I would if I you know if, if I don't have another plan right here, I would definitely be happy to take Christian Vasquez. So you would take him over Narvaez? Um, I don't know what to think of Narvaez. He's he's neither a target nor an avoid for me. Um, but so so maybe that means I would take Christian Vasquez because I feel like Narvaez got a little bit more lucky than than Vasquez so like mm-hmm. which one would you think had the higher expected batting average well because I think I think they I both mean, had a they both had a pretty good <laughs> that's funny they both had the exact same exact same one <laughs> and, it, and it was and so so Vasquez hit 276 and Nervias hit 278 but they both had a 254 expected mm-hmm. so um I don't who know why more, who had a better barrel uh, good question. Let's see. Narvaez. Oh, his. That's that, that may be one reason I've kind of ignored him. He had a 3.7 barrel rate per bar, barrels per plate appearance, oh, which geez. is is yeah. good for 293rd in the league. Um, oh so God. not great. 
And Vasquez, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was anything to write home about. It was 4.6, so he's <laughs> a little bit better. I mean, like, I don't think either one of these guys is going to, you know, reproduce what they did last year. I just think right. um, Vasquez, to me, showed more signs that he could actually hit for average. And, you know, it's funny, like, his – I actually, like, watched some tape of him when, you know, like – the home runs he hit, like one of them went 443 feet, which is not nothing, but it's like, he's just this pole hitter. And so like, he's not going to ever have that great of a barrel rate because he's not barreling anything unless he just like, just absolutely, you know, strokes it, you know, just hits yeah. it perfectly right. Perfectly, right. He's, not, he's not accidental barrels like Nelson Cruz hits, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. or, 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 or uh, Jordan, Jordan Alvarez, you know, like uh, he looks like he barely swings and then it goes 500 feet, but um, but I feel like Narvaez. So his the, the longest home run he hit was 420 feet. So it's like oh, he does that, gosh. you know, even more so. And you could see it going wrong a lot easier. Yeah, so I, 100%. you know, like I'm probably uh, overdoing the comparison with the two. I think I just lean Vasquez, and I'm not sure I can really tell you why. <laughs> so that would be my 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 weak attempt to justify it, but I, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, go ahead and just um, tell everybody what you've got going on and uh, where they can find you. Yeah, um, so you can find me on Twitter at SPStreamer, and um, we mainly run, I run my website too, which is SPStreamer.com. Uh, we have our own odd podcast, which is also called SPStreamer, <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, we just, you know, you can find me there. I actually do write for Rotoballer once in a while, too, as well as Friends with Fantasy Benefits, so um, you could kind of find me in several places around around the Twitter world. <laughs> awesome. Well, the pod is relatively new, but I've been enjoying it, so can't yeah, wait to hear you. more from you there, but um, yeah. thanks so much for joining me. I've, I've enjoyed it, and I, I feel like... Um, you've you've sort of keyed me into some things that i i wasn't aware of and uh hopefully vice versa and i hope everybody else uh enjoys it too it's just, i always feel like i learned something when i when i go through these so appreciate yeah, you for having um, me on, man. yeah thanks for being willing to do it all right well that'll do it for another episode of common sense fantasy baseball i'm drew um you can find me on twitter at common sense fbb and as always stay classy planet baseball <laughs>